Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Um, that we, we boldly approach your throne through the work of your Son, Jesus. And we do thank you that you've you cut out every other middleman, God, that Jesus... Jesus, you have become the mediator for us this morning. And we boldly approach your throne, and we do that with humility, but we do it with confidence at the same time. We thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are, that you've fully given yourself to us today. And all who call on your name will find salvation, will be saved. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we call on the name of Jesus the name that is above every other name, the name at which every knee in heaven and on earth will bow. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we, cr- we pray this morning. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Can we thank the, the ladies one more time? That was just fantastic. Get all choked up. Get all verklempt. All right, so we're going to continue this, uh, this conversation on a worship that we've been on the last several weeks, and it's been awesome because, as you know, if you've been around Vine Life for any stretch of time, it's, uh, it's part of the root system. It's part of this DNA. I think it's part of the, the calling, something that God has just asked us to champion what it looks like to be a house with the heart of David, a house that, that, that is set on his heart, to know his heart to clear away the clutter of religion and go straight into an intimate place with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, that's what he's called us to, and that's what we're continuing to do, and that's what we'll always do here, okay? That's who we are. And, uh, and it's been awesome just talking about different components about what it means to minister to the Lord, you know, what it means as we gather as a people, what's forming as we sing together, right? That, that it's more than just uh, just the hour of week where we worship, but we're taking our lives of worship and, and, and bringing them together, fusing them, fusing them together for every week when we join, we're, we're taking what, uh, what we've been given to live back to God and we're, we're fusing it together in, in song. And it's, it's, it's this powerful uh, expression that we get to join in every week. And, and then part of it as well is, is us learning how to bring our whole selves God, that God is one. We also get to be one. We get to bring every component of our lives, the parts that we're comfortable with, the parts the parts that we're super uncomfortable with, and we bring them to God and we kind of gift wrap them and put a bow on top and say, God, this is this is my life where it's at. Receive it as an offering, and He does. And 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 the beauty of coming to worship as we bring our real selves and our whole selves to God is that. As we turn our attention to him, he turns his attention back to us, yeah? And, and that's the faithfulness of God um, in all things. But, but today, kind of the movement that, that I'm excited to, to bring this morning is to expand this a little bit. You know, we've talked about what worship looks like in us, what worship looks like among us, right? Uh, but I think, I think very seldom do we remember what worship looks like beyond us. And do you, do you understand that as a worshiping people, uh, that it has, it has much more effect than, than, than just those sitting in the room here today, okay? That as we are faithful to, to, to declare the praises of God, 
And again, with our lives, certainly, but yeah, even as we come together as a collective, as we declare the praises of God, as we, as, as we join our hearts in a posture of worship before him, that it has, it has much more effect than, the one sitting, uh, than on the ones sitting in the seats in the room. Do you understand that worship is exponential in nature? That worship is expansive in nature. That what's actually happening has a much larger footprint than you will ever imagine. And we have to remind ourselves because I think when we come here, we leave our homes and neighborhoods and we come to sit in this room, I think sometimes we, we, we maybe subconsciously think that what's, what comes into this room stays in the room, right? It's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, what happens at church stays in church. No, 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 no. That is not the case. When we come to worship, something is happening on a spiritual seismic level that is beyond anything that you or I could ever explain. And can we just lean into that for a second here today, for a moment here today, that the good news that of what it means to be the people of God, as God has called us into his family, and as we live these lives and we declare, we're actually holding a place for cities and for regions. And I want to take a look just at a few scriptures that point this out this morning. And I love that this is a, this is a, a reoccurring theme in Scripture. I love looking back into the Old Testament as God was calling his people, as he was forming them as his people. He would speak to Joshua after Moses died. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses. And he was reinforcing Joshua and the people of God, the children of Israel, with this promise that as you inhabit this land, um, every place that your feet go, I'm, I'm going to bless that because I'm blessing you to be a blessing. And so as they come, as they cross the Jordan, it's, it's not too long after they cross the Jordan that they find themselves with their first battle, right? And they come out to this city called Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. And, and I always thought that Jericho is this sprawling urban metroplex, right? It's like the size of our parking lot. It's like six acres. I kid you not. I mean, now, 11 feet uh, uh, tall walls and about 14 feet thick. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty sizable. But we're not talking about a huge thing. But to, to these guys, I mean, it may as well have been New York City. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, it... It must have just looked like this massive wall, and it was like their first test of, do I believe in the promises of God? Do I believe that where I go, that there's, there's favor of God that will accompany us as we respond in obedience? And so God gives them this ridiculous strategy, right? I want you to go, and I want you to go to this, this city of Jericho, and I want you to march around it every day, once a day, for six days. And don't say a word. Then on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And then as soon as you hear the trumpet, you're going to raise your voice. And then things are going to start shaking, right? And, and what I love about even this story that most of us are familiar with is, is how they, uh, they come into this place when... By the time they get there, by the time they've marched around six times, by the time they, on the seventh day, they've got their seventh time through, you know, they're, they're wondering, oh God, I, I'm really hoping this works, right? I'm hoping that, you know, we don't just have to walk away, you know, we're going to raise our voice, nothing happens, we're going to walk away. 
But when they raised their voice, it wasn't just the sound of their shouting. It was, it was, it was a shout that was fueled by faith. It was fueled by a promise of God that I have anointed you, I've set you apart to go and to, to inhabit this land so you can be a blessed people. And, and I wonder, even for us, even in a New Testament perspective, you know, this, I don't think that Jericho is a, a prescription for all of life per se. It's not like, you know, if you don't like your job, just go march around your workplace six times. And on the seventh day, just get really rowdy, right? I mean, that's, that, you know, maybe, I don't know, if that's what God's telling you to do, I, I don't know. But, but I, I think the power of this passage, though, I believe the power was that they were responding in a place of faith so that their shout wasn't just the best they could do with the sound of their voice. Their shout was rooted in the favor and the promises of God that were undergirding them, that they believed in faith, that as they raised their voice, something was about to shake loose. And I believe that even for us, as we are faithful to to. To, to understand the power of our voices, understand the power of a faith-filled life, that we have to understand that when we, even in this room, when we shout, when we declare these praises of God, things are shaking in heavenly places that we'll, we'll never even know. Walls are falling down. When we are faithful to worship, God is faithful to tear down walls on our behalf. And then it keeps going from there. You guys know the story of, of Jehoshaphat. We, I, I, I love this story. I, I, I preach this all the time, even here. The story in, in, in Second Chronicles, when, when the people of God are being sieged by several different armies, and they don't know exactly what to do. This King Jehoshaphat is just, you know, he's in this place. God, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. And he humbles himself before the Lord. And I'm kind of paraphrasing this whole story. He humbles himself before the Lord and says, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then as he postures himself in this way, um, this young man gets up with a word from the Lord, and God starts speaking. And here's what it says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of ben- Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. So this, this young man was a worship leader that gets a word from God. In the midst of the assembly, and he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. And, and I love that in this posture of humility, as the people of God seek the heart of God, God raises up a worshiper, a worship leader, says, I've got an idea. <laughs> or even better than that, I think the Lord is saying something. I think the Lord is saying, thus saith the Lord, more confidently, he says, it turns out this is not even our battle, but God's going to fight this battle for us as we lean into him, as we turn our attention to him. And so they, they recalibrate their strategy. They, they, they respond to the word of the Lord. And it says just a little bit later in verse 22, you know, as they, as they sent the, the worshipers out front, right, as they sent the choir out in front of the army, in verse 22, it says, When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who would come against Judah, so that they were routed, Right? 
And, and what happens, we don't know if God sent another army or if this was literally angels fighting on their behalf. But what happened was, as they were faithful to declare their thanks and praise to God, something else began to happen in places that they couldn't see, they couldn't perceive. They just All they knew was they were faithful to worship, as they were faithful to present themselves and to be who God called them to be, that God, that heaven was fighting for them. And do you guys know that not only when we worship, our walls falling, but heaven is fighting. Heaven is declaring war against the things that, that come to assault not only the people of God, but his sons and daughters, the ones that he loves all around the earth. That God is looking for those who will raise a shout and raise a song and seek the heart of God so that heaven can respond to that and fight on our behalf. And he's doing that all around the world. That God is he's fighting on behalf of of, of the people and the ones he loves. And this is what happens. This is what happens as we sing and as we look through these windows every Sunday morning, as we look out into this land, as we come as representatives of different cities all across this front range, that what's happening is God is listening to the heart. He's listening to the cry. He's listening to the sound of faith that's erupting from within. And he says, I will respond to that. I will fight on your behalf. Come on, do you, do you understand that that's happening? And this is good news, and it's not just our best ability. This is obviously foreshadowing of Jesus fighting on our behalf, right? This is what Jesus is up to. This is what Jesus did at the cross, the victory on the cross. And so, and so when we're coming into this place, these things are happening. And even in the New Testament, I love that, that this continues when, you know, when Paul and Silas are, are jailed up, he... Paul makes a terrible mistake and casts a demon out of a girl who was a fortune teller. And uh, the, the ones who owned her were really upset because they couldn't make their fortune anymore. <laughs> They're like, put the demon back in her, right? Like, we need the money. And so they, they, they locked them up. I mean, they, they found a way to, to get them locked up in prison. So Paul and Silas get locked up in prison for delivering a girl of demons, which is a great, a great reason to get locked up, by the way. And it says, while they were in there, they began to sing. In Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Can we receive the gift, a gift of faith this morning? That it's quite possible that, that when we sing and praise, when we're faithful to bring to God the song of our heart, not only are doors opening around us, but the bonds and the, and the, and the chains that fasten the captive, the ones who are held captive, maybe in our families, and in, in our neighborhoods, the people we spend our time with, if, as we're faithful to, to release sounds of thanksgiving and praise to God, that he's actually loosening chains of oppression and affliction and captivity all around do you guys understand that this is what's happening? This is so much more than we think it is. That your, your worship and praise isn't just for your own well-being. It's for the well-being of the entire region. And that when we come here, we're holding a place. We're singing on behalf of those who have not found their song yet. 
And this is what it talks about in the Psalms when Jesus, we were singing, when God says, listen, I am enthroned upon the praises of Israel, that when we sing, God actually inhabits the praises of his people, that as as we're faithful to come to him with hearts that are overflowing and thanksgiving and praise to him, that he's actually building his throne here on earth. That every song and every melody and every harmony and every new lyric and every new heart posture that is given to him as an offering, he's actually establishing his throne and establishing his kingdom in ways that cannot even be seen quite yet, but are ways that are actually loosening chains that are being held all across the land. Can we, can we agree that that's happening this morning? Can we say thank you, Jesus? And, and I, love, I love this promise because it takes this it makes the responsibility of worship so much greater than just us being good churchgoers on a Sunday morning, right? This is so much better than us having a good church service. This is about us catching a vision for God's heart for peoples and nations. I, I, uh, I had a chance to talk to a friend this last week um, that I asked about this very same topic. And this, if, you've, if you've been here the last several weeks, we've showed a couple different video interviews. Um, you know, one with Ray Hughes, one with Jason Upton. And, and, uh, I, and I'd like to, if, with your permission, I'd like to show you another video from our friend Sean Foyt, who's been here um, a, a few times. He's going to be here next month for a resound, by the way. And, uh, and if you're not familiar with Sean Foyt, Sean, um, he's... He leads a, a movement called Burn 24-7, and he travels all around the globe establishing, establishing prayer rooms and worship rooms um, in war-torn countries, um, in impoverished areas, in, in first world countries. Uh, this is happening all around where what he's doing, he's championing, um, uh, he's championing that Levite heart and the people who set themselves aside to pursue God and worship and prayer, and what that does in effect, on cities and regions as people are set aside to give themselves to 24-7 worship and prayer. And, um, and so I, was, I, I did a, a Skype call with him just a few days ago and was asking him about what he sees happening. And it was actually a really interesting time because, um, as you'll find out in the video, he's, he's, uh, he, he just left for Iraq yesterday. Um, and he's doing some stuff there, and he's going to tell that story. I apologize for the, uh, the sketchy quality of this video. Um, and so I, I think you'll be able to uh, hear what's going on. But if you get sick and have to go to the bathroom, um, uh, you can blame that on me. No, I'm just joking. Um, so uh, is that okay? Can I, will, you guys, uh, will you guys enjoy this video from Sean? All right, let's, let's watch this. Well, hey, Sean, what's up, man? Good to see you. What's up, Vine Live? <laughs> Man, so, so uh, we're so honored that you take a few minutes. I know you're really busy right now. All kinds of things happen, and I, and I heard you're leaving again, um, uh, hopping on a plane again soon. Uh, but yeah. I just wanted to ask you a couple questions, man. We're, we're excited to have you out here next month for Resound, first of all. Oh, and I am so pumped to be with you guys. It's like going to be such a blast. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be amazing, man. And so uh, hopefully this will just be a little preview of that. Uh, as, as I was talking to you, we're in the middle of a, a, a worship series right now. 
And it's just been an awesome time talking about what it means to be a worshiping people. And, and I wanted to see uh, if you actually had some stories or some insights that you would want to share with us about what's actually happened. What is the power as the, as the church is faithful to gather in worship? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I'm coming to you from my main cave. Uh, so there's a little bit of Colorado behind me. You see that? For those of you hunters. And uh, I got my camo hat on, so I'm dialed in right now. Um, but the, uh, what's really awesome is you're actually catching me. I'm leaving in three days to go to Iraq. And so, uh, actually two and a half. So I'm literally today getting everything ready and, uh, we're bringing a big team of worshipers over there. And if you've been watching the news, uh, the, they're, they're pushing for the liberation of Mosul, which is the headquarters of ISIS in Iraq. And what's crazy about what you're talking about, and really, I feel like your focus of your church as you're. You know, in this season leading up to resound in the middle of these crazy elections, that's just, you know, gosh, man, it's, it's just the anxiety levels and the fear and the crazy stuff is through the roof. And really, I believe there's no greater time for the church globally to send than to center herself in this season in the place of worship. And, you know, we're witnessing all over the world and especially all over America right now, such an incredible hunger, desire, passion to be in the presence of God, to, to for that atmosphere of heaven to be in the room for uh, really, it, it's actually the most natural atmosphere to us. It's what we're created for. It's it's, it's what we're going to spend eternity in. But what's interesting about Iraq and even right now, uh, some of the number one requests for the Kurdish generals that are leading this push against ISIS, um, they're actually asking for Christian musicians to go before them. I mean, literally, I'm not making this up. I was there myself earlier this year with my whole family. I'll be there again twice. Um, I'm really pumped to come to Resound and share with you guys amazing testimonies. But we're gathering uh, for 100 hours nonstop. Uh, we're kicking it off in, in four days, really, in, in Mosul, about 30 kilometers from the ISIS front lines. And we'll be gathered with you know, uh, hundreds of Kurds, Yazidis, Arabs, people from all over the region, Turks that have come. And what we've noticed and what we've seen is that every time that we gather for one of these significant strikes of worship and prayer, that, that God literally moves on our behalf. I mean, we're seeing Jehoshaphat, you know, and, and, and second, you know, first set of Chronicles. We're seeing, uh, you know, Gideon-type uh, deliverance. We're seeing, you know, the same thing that Paul and Silas entered into when they sung in that prison. And I feel like, you know, what's so exciting to me is that we're not just reading these stories uh, in our in our children's Bible as a fairy tale, but we're actually living in a day and age where God is manifesting this spirit of worship that's shifting, not just the atmospheres, uh, which we need now in America, you know, with anxiety and fear, just all the crap going on. We just need to come up higher, deeper, get a revelation of who God is and his, and his never changing, you know, uh, his unchanging nature. But I feel like also that the Lord is is giving us these he's given us these cities and these regions and these dark places, you know, where literally I mean, I was watching the debate last night. You know, nobody has an answer for ISIS, the most sophisticated government in the history of the world, the largest military in the history of mankind has no answer for this terrorist organization. But yet we are seeing that every time we worship. They're being defeated. I mean, the last time we were together and we did 100 hours, um, 
we saw the entire libera- liberation of the Mount Sinjar region, which you know even 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 the United States uh, governments and 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 even this you know the the uh, the Turkish forces, the Kurdish forces were like, this is going to be impossible to root them out of this area. Well, supernaturally, during that 100 hours, it was delivered, you know, and we're we're actually going to take credit for that. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but we're actually going to believe that as we worship and we pray that he sends ambushes against the camp of the enemy and he works on our behalf, you know. And so I think a big part in my encouragement, even on a local level, uh, for you guys in in church and for you guys in, in you know in in your nine to fives in your in your you know just in the grind of life and in the in the, in, in the the mundaneness of what we're called to do you know in in our role whatever in this season is to just recognize that the whole definition of worship it, it, it's being changed in our our generation and we're we're not looking at it anymore as a as a, a, a three fast and three slow prelude, you know, to the preaching, you know, we're not looking at it as a robotic exercise, but God is actually giving us amazing revelation and incredible testimonies right now to show us that there's so that literally it says that he's enthroned or he establishes his government on the praises of his people. Like when we worship, we're building a throne. You want to talk about a, powers, principalities. You want to talk about government, you know? It says in Isaiah 9, the government will be on his shoulders. And we're we're literally, when we worship, when we sing, it's it's so crazy to me that God would establish his rule and reign when we sing and worship, you know? I love, I love Mike Bickle's definition, you know, worship and prayer. You know, he says, worship and prayer is telling God what he tells us to tell him. You know, he just breaks it down, you know, really simple. And it's true. You know, we, we we worship according to the pattern that's in the Bible. And when we do it, he comes. Things get better. Things change. The atmosphere lifts, you know. Uh, enemies get defeated and cancer gets driven out. And, I mean, we, we all have lots of testimonies we could share. Um, but it really is exciting, guys. I mean, I got the camo on because we're, we're going into the war zone. But it really is exciting uh, what God is doing, and I can't wait to share more testimonies when we're together. So keep going for it, Vine Life. You guys are such heroes in the region, and in in, uh, in really in the in the mount in the Rocky Mountain stretch. There, man, you guys are just lifting the furnace of worship. You're you're going for it, and it's so encouraging. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Sean. Hey, so while I got you on the on the phone, how can we pray for you as you leave for Iraq? Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, we praying ever since last year, a, a big part of our prayer request, honestly, was that, and it, at the time it seemed so impossible, you know, that 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 600,000 prisoners of ISIS and over 5,000 uh, sex slaves, little girls and, little, and, 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 and women that are in cages, we, we've been praying over a year that they would be liberated. And... Um, and so it is just the timing of God that they're mounting this offensive right as we're kicking into this 100 hours. And honestly, we're just praying that God would bring complete deliverance to that city. Um, you know, in Mosul, just so you guys know your your biblical history, it, it's actually ancient Nineveh. So this is, this is the city where the greatest revival in the history of the world took place. 
uh, with Jonah, which was an angry prophet. It's just funny, you know, how God uses <laughs> uses people. But but um, we have a precedent and a history, and we're really believing for for just amazing. We we want to really lock into the to the heart of the Lord in in our sets. And of course, we're going to be doing a lot of work with the refugees. We have a huge campaign. Uh, that we're rolling out for Christmas, where we want to provide a thousand kerosene heaters and new tents and blankets and toys, and I'll share with you guys that about uh, about that next week. But really, our focus in this hundred hours is we want to see, we want to see, you know, Isaiah, uh, you know, Isaiah, I think it's 50, fifty-six, you know, or fifty-nine. Is this not the fast fast I have chosen to to loose the chains of injustice and to set the prisoners free? So that's what we're praying into, guys. It's, it's freedom of that city. So. Join with us. Come on. Yeah. Let's be praying for Sean and his whole team while they're there. He's going to send us some updates. But man, can you just feel feel the faith, you know? I think even as he's sharing, you know, that... They're, they're more aware of it. You know, when you're in a place like Iraq, you're more aware of what's happening, both spiritually, governmentally, all these things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to look and to live our lives and, and be aware of, of what's actually happening as we worship and we pray. But one of the things I love about this church and one of the things I love about our calling is that, is that, is that worship, you have to understand that worship and mission are, are two sides of the same coin. That, that when we worship, we're participating in God's mission on earth, that he's actually seeking, he's seeking worshipers on all ends of the earth, that those who would be captivated and become aware of and enter into the knowledge of his wonder and his beauty and his goodness and respond in like manner to that. So when we worship, there's something that's happening that's actually, it's breaking those chains across the region. One of the things I love, even about this, this place, you know, I, I got here probably about, you know, I don't know, 14 years ago or so, which it's crazy even saying that right now. It feels like just a snap of a finger. But w- one of the stories that I, I love hearing about, and, and again, this was like much, this is in the last couple of years, I heard this for the first time, that, you know, the founding pastor, James Ryle, as he was, they, they were constructing this auditorium. And as, as they were, as they were visioneering what it was going to look like in this space, you know, they, they had this idea for this whole wall of windows, and then the windows are more than just a, a view of the mountains. You know, that's, it's probably the most iconic thing about worshiping at Vine Life, right? You come here, and that's what you tell your friends and your neighbors. You wouldn't believe the view. When people come here, we have guests that come here, they're always talking about the view. They come in here, their breath is taken away. But do you understand that even, even James, as he, as he was commenting on, on the significance of these windows, part of it was a prophetic act that as we worshiped, that, that, that it was almost this visual thing that the worship doesn't just stay in this room, that as we get to gaze upon Boulder Valley, as our eyes look upon these neighborhoods, as we look out during our worship, that our hearts are filled with compassion for the ones, for the entire world, the ones who are lost, the ones who are broken, the ones who need a touch of God, that our worship is not just for us. Our worship is also on behalf of the ones that God loves. So as we look out that something's happening, and then also that the windows would be a way for the world to look back in and see the glory of God made manifest in the church that the windows are these, it's a two-way street. That's what I love about being located on Lookout Road. 
Don't you love that? We are positioned on a high place on top of Lookout Road. Because there's this call, I believe, I believe this. Every day I drive in up Lookout Road and I'm coming in even from the east and I come up to this place and I, and I, and I wonder and, I, and I, 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 I thank God that he has called us even though we're, we're geographically positioned to be a people that as we worship that we're worshiping over the people. We're worshiping over them. We're worshiping on behalf that as our songs and our praises and our prayers are being lifted to heaven, I believe in faith that what's happening is chains are being broken, that principalities are being assaulted in heavenly places, that anxiety is being released, that the lonely are being set in families, that, that, that the spirit of religion is being crushed, that the political spirit is being crushed, that the, the heart of David is coming front and center and and yeah maybe not everybody will know that nobody maybe will be able to put words to that maybe nobody will be able to point fingers to say I know why this happened in my life but can we have faith today to believe that as we worship God is moving on behalf of our region And this is why we host events like Resound this is why we do this because we know it's expansive we know it's explosive And so the invitation this morning as we come back into worship, as we declare the praises of God, as we declare who he is, I want to invite you. Maybe some of you are going to come up and you're going to look out the windows and you're just going to bless the region. Bless your city. You know, some of you drove in from other places that that aren't that direction. But, But think of your neighbors. Think of... Of, of the business owners in your city. Think of, of the neighborhoods. Think of the things that are at work in your city. And as you worship, as you sing about the greatness of God, think about the ones that God's heart loves. And as we, as we come into this place, as we enter back into this time, trust that God is moving. Trust that anxiety is being driven out. Trust that the atmosphere of worship is actually going to bring new solutions to problems that you see in the places that you walk. That every place the sole of your foot treads is marked by the favor of God. And that maybe even in the atmosphere of worship, He wants to provide solutions and new pr- troubleshoot new problems, things that you've been seeing, ways to help, ways to invest, ways to identify and to and to champion the goodness of God and the sphere of influence that he's given you. That's what happens in worship. That pleases the heart of God when he can fill us with new ideas and new creativity and new solutions to problems that the world is asking, that your city and your neighborhood is asking for. Do you believe that happens in worship? This is what happens in this atmosphere. So can we stand together today? And as, as Mike and the team lead us, I, I just want you to be aware of the ones your heart starts to pray for. You know, just as Sean is praying, you might just be praying for the men and women in, in the town of Mazul and the, and the prisoners and the sex slaves and the ones who are held captive. Let's, let's bless them from the other end of the earth with the sound of our voice. You might be praying for the ones, again, you live near or that you work with that need breakthrough. And come on, as we worship and as we praise, just picture and imagine. Let your, let your imagination grow to see that God is establishing his throne in this region, that his kingdom is here.
and his kingdom is expanding. And Jesus, the son that was given to us, the government is on his shoulders. Let's bless our region. Let's bless the city of Boulder and Boulder Valley. Let's bless the ones you live next to. And let's bless the name of our God as he reigns above it all. Amen? Come on, let's see this.